This is the final week, and um, I, like I said, I think it's the most practical of all. But I'm going to let y'all in just a little bit of my brain. And even if you're not remotely close to a relationship or getting married, I think this will help you in life. I, I really think it's practical. Um, I, really, I really, really believe it's practical and it can help you. Because I'm going to talk to you about some things that I'm really interested in today. So when I was praying this week, this is the title of the message that I felt like the Lord gave me. And I'm going to use it throughout the message. Response and responsibility. Someone say response. response. Say it loud. Say response. response. And responsibility. Response and responsibility. It's pretty obvious what they mean. I can give a response to anything without being responsible for a thing. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? You can say something to me and I can pop off at the mouth and I can respond to you. And I'm honestly, not, I'm, I don't take any level of responsibility. I just walk away, throw my hands up and say, it's on you. Take it, take it for what it's worth. No offense. And that works sometimes. And then sometimes it doesn't work at all, does it? Somebody needs to talk to me in here. It doesn't work at all. In some cases, if you're married, you should say yeah in this room. And then responsibility is not necessarily a word that I love. Why? Can I tell y'all the truth? Yes. When I was a student pastor, I'm a, the reason that I did not want to be a pastor is not because I don't like to communicate, but because I didn't. I literally said this. People would tell me as a student pastor, you're going to be a pastor someday. And I said, I sure ain't. And they'd say, why you say that? I don't want the responsibility of a whole church. I just have to deal with my students right now. And we cool. I'm enjoying it. I can act crazy with them. And I loved it because I did act crazy with them. And what I was ultimately saying is, I know it comes with a level of authority. I just don't want the responsibility. I don't want the responsibility. Now, I'm going to change directions for one second, but it ties in perfectly. And let, this is where I'm going to let y'all in, and this is not relationships. It's just letting y'all know my personal interests. I don't know why I'm interested in this, because it's definitely not something I believe I'm called to. But it fascinates me how the richest, wealthiest people in history think. I don't know if y'all have ever studied it. But I'm talking about late 1800s, early 1900s, mid-1900s now. The wealthiest people in the world, they think about things so differently. I've studied it. I've watched documentaries on it. I've read about it. Fascinating. Matter of fact, the three richest people at the end of the, of the 19th century, early 20th century, if their money... If they, if they were doing their thing and they had that amount of money today, the three of them would be worth $500 billion and over $250 million for the other two each. And, the, and, and there's a fourth one that would be worth more. Matter of fact, there's four people at the beginning of the 20th century that would be worth more than anyone on planet Earth today and some by a large margin. But even in today's... If you know who the richest people are, if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. Elon Musk, Tesla, and SpaceX. Listen, can we talk about this? He's a little weird. My man's trying to get to Mars. United States of space. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Those of you that don't, I love you. And then, and then Jeff Bezos with Amazon, both of which are worth around $200 billion. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but that's a lot. 
But Andrew Carnegie, Cornelius Vanderbilt, and John D. Rockefeller, and Henry Ford, and those guys have something in common. They have something in common. It's not that they're men. And it's definitely not that they came from the same place or had similar backgrounds because they're vastly different people. Vastly different backgrounds. Crazy different upbringings. One of them's a Christian. A few of them are atheists. But they all had a similarity, y'all. They all saw a need. And instead of complaining about it, they met the need. And their response to the big need of steel with the Carnegies, of cars and in mass production with the Ford family and Henry Ford specifically, with railroads and the Vanderbilts because they already had railroads. He just took it to a different level. He took over the railroad industry. He cornered the market. The Rockefellers took oil and exploded it to the next level because there was a huge need. And by the way, he would be worth close to half a billion dollars with his oil company if he had it all today. They all saw a need and they decided, bump it. I'm going to take personal responsibility. My response to the need is, I'll pick it up. I'll do it. I think it's psycho to want to go to Mars. And I think we might do it. Why? Not because I think our government's going to get us there. Watch my face. I do not. But I think crazy Elon might. Why? Well, number one, he's worth $200 billion. <laughs> And that's a lot. So if he just wants to, he now has the toys to make it happen. But he also has this thing in him that believes that we might be able to do this. So I'm going to leverage and put everything that I can behind this thing. I'm willing to go first. So I'm going to say first. See, if I ask you like I did a minute ago and, and said that I did in the first service and I didn't, I didn't ask you all to raise your hand, but if I ask you who wants to be greatly used by God, most of you would say I do. Until I said, well, you got to blaze a trail and go on your own. you got to be completely alone. You have to plow through hard rock and nobody else has done what you've done before because God has uniquely called you. And while we can learn from people of the past, we may even pick the banner up from someone that carried it before. There is a uniqueness to your calling. And I'm not talking about relationships right now. I'm talking about personally. That if you don't pick the banner up, here's what you've said. My response to that calling is somebody else will pick it up. That I, it just won't have to be me. But I'm telling you, look in history. The people that have been greatly used. I'm not saying by God. I'm saying for whatever reason, God's people have oftentimes not been the ones that have been willing to pick it up. And the thing that frustrates me or burdens me, I should say, it's not a frustration, burdens me about this is almost all of those people that I just named don't even have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them. But how much more should we be thinking first? How much more should we be dreaming big? How much more should we be saying? And I'm not saying every person in here is an innovator where they're going to change the entire landscape and be worth $200 billion. I don't know that that's anybody's calling in here. Better yet, everybody's calling in here. But you do make no mistake. You do have a unique, amazing calling. And when you downplay your calling because you don't like your gifts, what you say is, I'm not responsible for my calling. I'm responding to the fact that I don't think I'm good enough. Therefore, I'm not willing to go first and pick up the responsibility and say, I want it. Now, we all want authority, don't we? I'm not saying you want authority over everything, but you have certain parts of your life that you want authority over. 
You don't want to listen to this. You don't want to do that. You don't be, but I don't want the responsibility that comes with it. The problem with this is authority, lacking responsibility, makes me a tyrant. Can I tell y'all something? We're living in an age where Christianity is ruled by tyrants. Now, I'm not talking about a pastor. If y'all think that, I'm ha- that I have a pastor or a group in mind, I do not. I'm talking about generally speaking. Why? Because we're a do-as-I-say-not-do-as-I-do society. We like to call everybody else out on what they're doing wrong. We like to respond in kind to the people that vote or think or act differently than we do. But we do not want to pick the banner up and be the light because we're not interested in the refiner's fire changing us. And therefore, I see very little. I see personally with my eyes very little first. And even though from a servanthood perspective, Jesus said, We should want to be last. That's in line. That's not carrying the banner. All of us should be ready and willing to say, if you've called me to it, I don't care if I go alone. I'll go. And when it comes to our homes, most of us lack this on the next level. Why? Because at least if I'm in a relationship, I feel like she should give me what I need. Come on, somebody. I mean, like, I know we're equal partners, but... (laughs) Give me a break. Why don't you worry about my needs? I can't remember a time, cannot remember a time that Lee and I had an argument that really meant something where I was trying to meet her needs. It don't need to be silent in here. Y'all need to agree. Ever. I can't, I'm, I'm thinking through. When was the last time that I looked at my wife and said, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to go first. And she said, I wish you wouldn't. I can't remember. I've, tried, I've racked my brain trying to think. Because I'm going to tell you all about me just for a second and we're going to jump in. I'm a dreamer and I just believe what God said is true. The reason I don't know for 100% fact if we're going to make what God's asked us to do has nothing to do with the anointing of God. and has everything to do with how I respond to the responsibility that he put in my hand. Everything. That is everything. That's the end all. You say, so it all falls on you? No, it all falls on us. But it's going to be very difficult for a group of people to lead past the one that God called to pastor. And so while I don't take, I'm not the anointed of God to the level that no one else can do anything, I'm just one of you. But at the same time, I can be the lid on you. And I think constantly, it's exciting to get excited and say, we're going to change the upstate. We're going to take the gospel. We're going to do it. And y'all, I'm telling you with all my soul and heart, I believe it. I just don't know if I want to take the responsibility. When I look in the mirror, I have to decide what's my response. And when my response is selfish, selfishly motivated, full of carnal ambition, then what I'm doing is putting the light out rather than shining the light where God's called us to shine it. And I do it in my home every day. Why? Because I'm selfish. So what I want to teach you on today on response and responsibility is the simplest little thing in Colossians chapter 3. 
I'm going to finish with Ephesians 5. And just for a review, if you don't know it, wives, submit to your husbands unto the Lord. Just like the church submits to Jesus. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he could present her spotless and without blemish by the washing of the water of the word. And it ends with, so the two shall become one flesh, that a man shall leave his father and mother in that whole scenario in Ephesians 5. But that's not what I'm going to teach on. I felt like in this response and responsibility, what I was supposed to teach is Colossians chapter 3. And it's so different because this thought doesn't begin, y'all listen, doesn't begin with marriage. It begins with you. It begins with, someone say response. It it begins with response. Watch this. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 16, says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Pause in verse 16. Let the word of God, let let Christ's word live and dwell in me richly so that through being wise, I can both teach and admonish. What does the word admonish mean? It means to rebuke or call out. It actually means give seed or possibility of a mindset shift. Which means, watch, when someone is doing something they ought not, I'm not the police of people's behavior, but when I know that, that what they're doing is detrimental and I've had a relationship with them, when I'm silent, watch, I'm choosing not to carry the responsibility that God's put in my hand. I'm choosing that it'll just take care of itself. This is free for every parent in the room. Nothing just takes care of itself. Y'all have hoped that things will just go away. I've said it before. Maybe that'll take care of itself. Maybe it'll fix itself. Watch my face. It don't. Nothing just happens. But how you respond to it matters a lot. Why? Because sometimes our response doesn't match what God's responsibility level is supposed to be. And when I'm hateful, I'm not right in the Lord. I should never, no matter what the situation is, come with A hateful spirit. Never. And when I do, I don't need to get mad that something doesn't shift. It's not my job for something to even change. And he says that that this is what, by the way, side note, that means that people can do that to me as well. But I'm going to show you who should do that to me. Because it ain't everybody. Someone say it ain't everybody. And that includes you too. It ain't everybody that I'm going to receive from. Why? Because it says that we should do that for one another with all wisdom. And then he says singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to to God. Who should be the people that I listen to, the ones that have thanksgiving in their hearts to God? That does not mean that I should go around all the time singing songs. That's, That's not what this is about. Although I think it's wonderful to put on a praise. But what this is about is who do you know that has a grateful heart? I'm not talking about who do you know that has a grateful heart when things are going well. I'm talking about who do you know that can put on a praise when things aren't going like they thought it would. I'm asking, who are the people in your life that you truly believe are grateful hearts, have grateful spirits? Because if they do not, if they constantly complain and you're taking wisdom from them, bad company corrupts good character. And I'm going to get frustrated that all of a sudden what's on them becomes on me. But that's how it works. If I don't take responsibility to separate myself from the people that I don't need to be listening to as if they are wise, then I have a me problem, not a you problem. 
But the ones that I should receive from are who? The grateful people. Watch, it continues in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving what? Everybody say it, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That no matter what I do, I'm talking about if I'm playing ball, if I'm painting something, if I'm doing a hobby or eating, anything, I should do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks for everything. Not just when we break bread and thank God for the meal, but in your heart, have a grateful spirit in everything. That means in rich and in poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, I'm grateful for the Lord. And if I'm not, watch this, you shouldn't receive from me. Why? Because I'm bearing you in my anger. And no matter how good my words can be, you'll get who I am, not what I say. Now, we're about to get into the good stuff, but I'm just going to tell you something. This is where the response and the responsibility gets frustrating. This is where I get frustrated with it. I love to teach. I love to tell you what to do. I just don't always like to do it. Why? Because it's hard. I just want God to fix it. I don't want God to change me. I don't want God to move me. I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like taking responsibility in every single area of my life. I feel like asking God to take the responsibility and just let me do my thing. Come on. And if you're married in the room, y'all just need to know this. We've talked about this in this series, but marriage is difficult because we are vastly different. I'm going to talk about it a little bit at the end, but we're so different. And so you bring the differences to the table in any relationship, better yet the one that you're coupled with, literally married to, have become one flesh. And then we start deciding in our hearts because remember what the scripture says in Colossians 3 that, that I should keep the word of Christ in my heart with gratitude and I should accept the fact that it's right. I always should put it through the context but I still can't decide that I'd rather a movement or, or someone's opinion supersede what God said is right. So when I do and I don't want to take responsibility for my part and what I can do and then I get mad that it's not working for me, I got a me problem, not a you problem. Because this isn't an opinion, it's a continuation of a thought. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. As it's fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Do not be harsh with them. What does this mean? And, and why would he continue the thought and, and immediately go into wives and then children obey your parents? Husbands or fathers, do not provoke your children to anger right after that. Like, why does he give all these different things right after gratitude and whatever we do? And that doesn't even make sense, except it absolutely does. It's talking about response and responsibility. See, those of you that have been at Four Points for a while, you know this about me. If you're a guest, I'm so excited that you're here. This may be your last week because I'm about to say some stuff that you don't like. <laughs> or might not like, maybe you will, I don't know. I'm not doing it so you like it. I'm doing it because I believe it's true. I'm going to say it this way. I believe strongly that women should be elevated in our society. Really. I believe it strongly. 
Why is Leah going to be on the stage next week? Because I believe it. She's really good, and I love her, and I think you can glean wisdom from her that you can't glean from me. Having said that, there's parts of the feminist movement that are evil. This is where I didn't figure I'd get a lot of amens, but I'm not really worried about it. So what do you mean they're evil? I mean, the fact that women should be considered equal at the workplace is not evil, is right. But when we want to wipe out the roles that God clearly defined for men and women, that's evil. Anything that we want to wipe out that God said is evil. I do not care what people's opinions are, and I don't care if I get canceled. I'm going to eventually, so might as well do it today. Can I tell y'all something? This isn't an opinion. It's what the Bible says. Here's where the opinion comes in. I get to decide if I'm going to respond, I don't like that, or if I'm going to take responsibility as a man of God and say, my responsibility isn't to rule with an iron fist, but to build a partnership. I lead side by side. I'm a joint heir with her. And there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female in the kingdom. However, God distinctly gave me a role. And if I decide that I don't want to lead my home because it's too much responsibility, I shouldn't have procreated. I'm preaching. What I want to say to dads out there is stop listening to the freaking news and start reading God's word. Why? Because the problem we have in this country is not a Democrat or Republican problem. It's a daddy problem. We need men. To decide we will t pick up the banner and not rule like jerks. Not, not treat women with misogyny and, and push them down and, 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 and be pigs. But actually do what the role of the man of the household. Because man, this is not an opinion. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Read it. God is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. And whether I want to be or not, when I decide not to be, why do women lead in the church more than men? And I am all for women leadership, hear me. But I believe they should lead where they should lead and we should lead where we should lead. Does that mean they shouldn't preach? Y'all have, have watched me. Women are going to preach at our church. What I'm saying is the reason that most of the time you find in leadership, in prayer time, in certain things like this, men won't show up is because we've decided I don't want to be responsible for that. The women will pray. Here's what I'm saying. I do not like to say shame on you. I do not like it. I believe it's ungodly. But in this case, shame on us as a, as a group. Why? Because we want to rule. We just don't want to be responsible. Come on, somebody. Well, I'm saying bump that. We either decide to be responsible or we hand over the keys because you can't have it both ways. We will either be responsible and respond like Jesus. Or it's going to be frustrating. Now, ladies, I'm going to talk about your part in a couple minutes because what I'm closing with fits it perfectly. But here's what I want you to know on a, on a global level, on a big picture. Because whether you're 13 years old or 85 and not married anymore or, or everywhere in between and, and there's couples in the room that I can look at, we decide every day at what level do I want to believe God's word. And it does not, watch this, it does not matter how much while you're singing you feel the warm tinglys of the Holy Ghost because you actually believe what Jesus said is true. 
Because what James said is you can't just be a hearer of the word, you've got to be a doer of the word. What does that mean? Your response and responsibility matters. That doesn't dictate whether you're saved or not, but it proves, it shows the outward appearance. If I don't love people, according to Jesus, by this, everyone will know you're my disciple if you love one another. But if I just set out to love people and not refine or change my heart, I'll be super frustrated. Why? Because I don't take responsibility for what I need to. I just try to be good. Well, that does not work. Y'all know that I'm telling the truth. No matter how much I want to go, no matter how much I want to do, I find myself having a pity party for Mark. Why? Because things didn't go the way I thought they should. So, so instead of taking responsibility and knowing that the more responsibility I'm willing to take for what depends on me, because most of it depends on God, but he still put the keys of the kingdom in our hands, I'm fixing to throw something preaching. I constantly look begging for the keys when they're already in my hand. By the way, I'm going to do a sermon series in August called Keys, and it's going to be amazing, but we'll just keep going. (laughs) If you want to change the world, change the city, change your home, you got to take responsibility. Why? Because our response to God's word reveals our level of responsibility. I don't care how important you look. I don't care what your degrees say. I don't care how smart you sound. I don't care how eloquent you can preach. This, can I help y'all with something? I don't like what I'm about to say because I wish it weren't true, but it is, so let's tell the truth. This tells you nothing about my level of responsibility. It might tell you that I have a gift, but it tells you nothing about if I'm taking responsibility at home because I could be a deadbeat husband and be able to talk into a microphone. This proves nothing. The one you should really hear from is Leah. Why? She can tell you the truth. And sometimes I am a horse's rear end. (laughs) I'm just telling you. I'm not proud of it. I wish I could say I am a a 9.97 out of 10 husband. Some days I'm a 1.97 out of 10, if you know what I'm talking about. Why? I just feel like responding what I want. Because if I want a great relationship, I have to take personal responsibility in order to do my part. I have to. 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 Look at Mark. Look in the mirror. Start with me. And it's not all about me. Hear me. It's all about Jesus, for real. It is absolutely all about him and his kingdom, the pursuit of him. But what I begin to realize as God changes me is, The kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And what that means is that as he changes me and the refiner moves me and I take personal responsibility, he molds me to become more and more like him. I can never strive to be those things, but the more I submit myself under him and say, as far as it depends on me, I'll pick up the banner of responsibility. He shows himself through me. And I'm the righteousness of God as a result of what he did. So so when I walk out, I don't want to be old Mark. Why? Because he he died on the cross so that I wouldn't have to be anymore. And if personally responsible Mark says, I've been saved, he forgives me of my sins so I can just go about doing whatever I want to do, my response to the gospel is, I'll take get out of hell free. I just don't want to live your way. It cheapens it, y'all. It cheapens my relationship. It cheapens women or it cheapens men, depending on who you are and your gender. It depends on, it it, it cheapens any form of relationship. We begin to believe the lies that it's just about testing the car before you buy it. 
Why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free is what we used to say back in the day, right? That's what we do with women now. Why does that happen? Because our response isn't necessarily lining up with God's word. I'm not sure if I want it to be. Some of the things seem a little old. I do believe some of the things are contextually a little bit different. Having said that, I do not believe any of it is, not, is irrelevant. I do not believe any of it shouldn't be applied to my life. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's used for refining. That's what those words mean. To change me. Why does that matter? Because it's not my responsibility. My gosh, if you could get nothing else, get this to change anyone. What does that mean? I mean, as the pastor of this church, I don't even love this because I wish that, that I was responsible because I'd try to do something about it. I'm responsible for obedience. Why did I call the message response and responsibility? Because at four in the morning while I was sound asleep, the Holy Spirit woke me up dead asleep and gave me a word. I will pull my phone out and show you. I said, well, I'll forget that because I normally remember everything, but I'm asleep. I can't make it bigger. But right there, I have two, two things with as far as time goes, response and responsibility. One is immediate. One is permanent. Which one will I hold? Preach on this Sunday. Went back to sleep. I said, it feels like you want me to talk about that, Holy Ghost. Now I'm responsible for that word, but I am not responsible to change you. I don't like it, y'all. Why? Because I love y'all. And when I see you hurting, when I see you hurting yourself, when I see you going through things, I want to come and hug you and say, stop it. And it is my responsibility, if I absolutely know it, to lovingly pick you up, but it is not my responsibility to change your heart in this dang sure not to change Leah's. Did you hear what I said? That's my wife, if you don't know. So when I try to, because don't we spend most of our time in marriage trying to fix them? I've joked about it. She's been with me for 24 years, and we've been married 20 years this August, and I'm finally changing her into, what? That's the stupidest thing I could say. What my testimony should be, if I want to take responsibility, if I want my response to be godly, what my, what my message to the world should be is, after 24 years, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And as a result, it's unbelievable what God's doing in our home. I spend so much energy trying to tell her what not to do. Fussing about what they responded wrong with. And are they going to? Somebody tell me the answer. Say it loud. Yes. But they're human. And if I would get nothing else except... Get this through my head. If you give them the same grace that you want to get, it changed, it changed the world. This is the one verse that I have stuck to for years. Some of y'all have heard me preach this before. But this precedes in Ephesians 5 that wives submit to your husbands. This is what I'm going to give you in, in Ephesians 5. If we get this, if we remember that this is before wives submit to your husbands or before husbands love your wives and gave himself up that he could die for her, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That, that if I could just get this, what should my response be? That should be my always response. Someone say always. Should be my always response. That before, as a man of God, I lead my home, I should ask this simple question. Watch this. Wrong way. What can I do to help? Someone say it. What can I do to help 
What can I do to help? What can I do to help? Translation. I'm going to respond no matter how bad a mood she's in, no matter how bad a mood they're in, no matter what they look like. I'm going to respond in kind, asking this question. I'll give you Leah for an example. Leah's got a lot on her plate. She teaches. She's teaching a subject she's never taught before. After 13 years of teaching experience, she's, she's going in. She's, she's literally blazing a trail at her school. They've never done this subject before in this way. And she's never taught it even if they have. And she's got two kids, and they're running like chickens with their head cut off. And Lainey had a play with 71 performances this weekend, and some of our peeps came too. And so we were back and forth, back and forth like a ping pong ball. And she leads our volunteers and does not get paid to do it. And I put a lot on her because she's an amazing leader, and I trust her. But when I hand her the level of responsibility, if I don't give her support on the back end, then what I'm saying is, you're on your own, figure it out. And when she's crying out, watch this, how does that look, guys? How does that look? She probably ain't going to say nothing. But if you're close to the Lord, you'll know. You'll just know. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about because I can hear you. I can hear you murmuring and shaking your head at me. You'll just know in your gut, something's off. And this is what I ask. Hey, I can tell something ain't right. What can I do to help? I got to do laundry tonight, and I got to do this tonight, and I got to do this tonight. Sometimes it's the answer, and sometimes I get this. I'm fine. Here's what I respond to that. Hey, who do you think you're talking to? I know you pretty well, and I know somebody else. Who knows you even better? But I just tell, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to be griping because my wife rarely says anything negative or gripes. Rarely. But I can just feel it on you. And right now, what you really need, someone say need. What you need, because there's a difference. We ain't always going to get what we want. Some of us are still seven years old and frustrated, hadn't figured that out. But there are needs that we have. And when I can provide her needs... I get to pick up a responsibility that is mine. Nobody else can provide like me except the Lord, but as the husband of my home in her life, as the one flesh, if I don't ask this question, if I don't mutually submit myself to her so that we can fall in line, so that we can be in the role that God's called us and accomplish, if I always think you're not doing what I want, you're not doing what I need, and I never think, what does she need? How can I help? Then I should not be frustrated with a bad marriage. I should look in the mirror and say, I've decided to say bump it to all my responsibility. You do the work. Can I help you with something? It don't work. That will never work. If I don't look in the mirror constantly, if I don't pray, God, will you show me what she needs? It's amazing how much he will tell me if I ask him. Amazing. He never fails. I'm just selfish. And some days I like to tell Leah how much she should be providing for me. And for relationships to work, for relationship, I'm going backwards. For relationships to work, it takes two people mutually submitting. But I can't make you. Can I, did you hear me say relationships? I didn't just say marriage. If you ever want a confidant, there has to be mutual submission. I don't care how smart 
one friend is and how dumb the other one is. If I don't respect you, if I don't lean into your wisdom, we are not friends. I think I'm better than you. And you should not want wisdom from me if I, if I truly believe I'm better than you. And in our homes, if we start treating each other with reverence, it'll change the game. And then we can provide. I did this in week two. Some of y'all remember it. We can do this. So I'm going to hit these quickly and close. We can do this. I put on here a, a, a short summary of some of the things that men and women need. Okay? Some of the things. I don't care who you are. Watch this. I don't care how smart you are, how, how tough you are, how independent you are. You need these if you're male or if you're female. You need them. You don't necessarily need them from a spouse. Why? Because some of y'all aren't married. And God doesn't make, make mistakes. And singleness is a calling. And you don't ever need to forget that in week one. But having said that, the Apostle Paul, who, to the best of our knowledge, never got married, needed all of these things. And God had to, had to meet this need. But the rest of his needs had to be met. And the reason that marriage is such a beautiful endeavor is we are so vastly different. We are so vastly different. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more next week in the Q&A, but we're so vastly different. And yet, you can provide for me and I can provide for her what each other naturally can't give each other, and it's a beautiful picture. It, it, we really are better together if, watch, because I love that saying, better together, if we're mutually submitted. We are not better together when we're both selfish. We are poisonous snakes biting each other, right? A man needs honor and respect. A woman needs security. This is a fun one, and I'll hit this in two seconds, a little bit more. Leah's really good at this, and I know her trick, but I still like it. I don't stop her. When Leah brings the groceries home, some of y'all know what I'm about to say. When Leah brings the groceries home, she'll say, can y'all help me if she's gotten them? And my kids will get a couple bags, and she'll get a couple bags, and I'll get 15. Now, can I tell you something? Blake just said it. The reason I do it is not to impress. Y'all better talk to me. I do it because I'm trying to close the trunk and be done. That is called laziness. But as I'm doing this, <laughs> Leah will say something subtle. Almost every time. Not every single time she'll miss some, but almost every time. Mm-hmm. I see you with them muscles. See you being fine. And I'll flash her a little, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Bam. You know what's up. Better be careful. Don't say it if you don't mean it. Blip, plop. Because as she's doing this, I'm thinking this, but we'll keep going. But she needs security. Watch. Don't miss this. So that means as she's made a conscious decision to respond with her responsibility... Because a man needs to conquer. He needs to be honored. I do not care who you are. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. You were made to conquer. That does not mean you conquer your wife. That means your wife lets you be the conqueror. Ladies, that does not mean you aren't anointed to lead. Some of y'all have an anointing on your life to lead. But I don't believe you have an internal need naturally from the Lord that you have to be honored at the same level. Everyone deserves from the Lord a respect of honor. I should honor every single person. It's just men need it a little bit differently. And I didn't say this in the first, but I feel like I'm supposed to. 
Nobody can hurt me like Leah. Nobody. All she's got to do is dishonor. And it takes my heart out. That is not a license to do the opposite, by the way, for to dishonor back. Still have to carry my responsibility. But when it comes to security, this is interesting. Does anybody have a ring doorbell so you can see outside? Some of y'all have it. We don't. I'm the ring doorbell, right? I'm the camera. And it doesn't happen all the time, but I would say once every month, two, three, my wife's going to hear the boogeyman outside. I hear something. Can you go check? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Response and responsibility. Am I going to say, good gosh, woman, I'm trying to sleep, messing with me. Just go check yourself. Or am I going to respond responsibly and say, I'll check. The ring doorbell goes and checks. Up to this point in 20 years of marriage, I ain't seen the boogeyman yet. (laughs) We have had some busters at our house, but I didn't see them. (laughs) Mess with us, but I get to decide, right? Here's the problem if I say, shut up, go to bed. I am stepping on a need, not a want, because she needs security. There's a need for safety. Men, we want to feel secure. Women, you need to feel secure. I don't care if this is your opinion or not. I'm telling you, this is, this is biologically true. And so when I step on her and say, bump you, I'm going to respond with selfishness, not with responsibility. I am ultimately saying, I don't care what you need. I care what I want. Which leads me to, I should not ask for this if I'm not willing to do this. Because the, they don't go hand in hand. I just put them in similar categories. Because if I'm not willing to stand up in all of these that she needs, I shouldn't get mad at the one that I want the most. I should realize that most people are going to respond in kind, not respond in Christ. And sometimes that's all of us, right? I'm going to hit on this one. I'll probably hit it next week because Leah's going to want to talk about it. But if I had room because I ran out of space... This is supposed to say soft, non-sexual affection. Soft, non-sexual affection. What does that mean, Mark? It means that you're going to touch your wife without trying to have sex with her. Why is it quiet? I ain't going to get no amens from no men's. Come on. And I'm with you. I don't want to amen that one either. But what that means is I don't have an ulterior motive. I'll just cuddle with her sometimes because she needs it. Dads, can I talk to you for a minute? Your daughter needs this. And if you aren't willing to give her this, when she goes to another young man to get affection and she ends up sleeping with him, don't get mad at her. Get mad at you for not taking responsibility where you should have. It's okay that I ain't got no amens because I know it's on your toes, but I love you. I'm going to hit the last one's a little bit deeper next week because we're going to have a lot of time. But here's why I'm saying all this. You have the opportunity to change the landscape of your home with this simple message. What will my response be and how much responsibility am I willing to take? Am I willing to ask the question, what, am I, what can I do to help? Or will I constantly ask the question, what can she do to help me? What can he do to help me? Why aren't they doing their part? 
Am I going to see what everybody else is doing or am I willing to let the refiner's fire shift and change my heart so that I can be more and more and more like him? Answer this question. When I pray, who do I think about the most, me or we? Because if it's a, we, if it's a me prayer constantly, if I'm having a pity party, if complaining is constantly on my tongue, and y'all, I know some of y'all have been through hell, and that does not mean we shouldn't cry out to the Lord. We have psalm after psalm that shows us this. But it means eventually, especially if you're married, if you never pray for your spouse, if you never pray out loud and put hands on your spouse's head or on your spouse's shoulders, we're doing it wrong. Out loud. There's power of life or death in your words, not in your, just in your thoughts. Let it out. Love on them enough. Care for your children enough, men, to not respond harshly, but to respond with building. It will change the world. So we're going to close with this. The band can come on up because I'm going to pray, but I want y'all to hear this. Um, we're, we're closing with an amazing song. It's a new song called Build Your Church. Build Your Church. But I want y'all to know that this song is applicable to your home, that God's the ultimate builder. He's the blueprint giver. But Paul called himself the master builder because God designs and lets us create in his name. God's the designer. We don't have to come up with the plan because if we do, it ain't going to be right. But whatever innovation God's given you, you need to funnel it through response and responsibility. And in your home, let him build you because you are his church. So in Jesus' name, let's close with this song. Build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. It's your church. So, Lord, that's our prayer. We ask you to change us, Lord. We're not agents of change. We serve the agent of change, and we bring the message of reconciliation to the world. But first, let it come to our house, Lord. Let us lead, both male and female, let us lead with responsibility, responding to everything in your name, with gratitude in our hearts. Build your church. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing.